Well, hello and welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we're seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. My name is Garland. And my name is Cameron. Cameron, coming to us from Portland. Uh, I'm here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, well, a question we have uh, on the table today is, uh, and I'll say it simply, then we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. How should Christians, Jesus's followers, how should they engage the arts? And, and that could be, it's kind of a vague category. So by the arts, we would mean, uh, you know, music and movies and TV shows and uh, the, the art that we're surrounded by. How should Christians engage that? Um, should they, um, should they, should they uh, listen to it, watch it? What can they watch? What, they sh- what shouldn't they watch? Uh, what shouldn't they listen to? I remember, you know, uh, you and I are both products of the 90s, and there was a movement um, back in kind of the the mid to late 90s, where uh, there was some kind of backlash against, um, you know, secular music and kind of rock music. I think it was coming out of like an 80s student ministry world. And, uh, you know, I had friends, I remember them, you know, they come to they come to know Jesus as Savior and like one of their first orders of business, and I'm not sure why this was the case, it's like, where are my CDs? And they would throw <laughs> them out. So like, where, where's my ACDC CD? And then it goes out the window. I've got a friend that actually has a memory of throwing you know those old, uh, we used to have those like, like uh, the binders full. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, just that big um, folder oh, full so, of CDs. So much good stuff was probably <laughs> yeah, tossed. And, and we just threw it out the window. So <laughs> I got a friend that actually did that. He actually threw, uh, of course he's littering while he does it, but he actually threw... <laughs> Um, cases of CDs <laughs> out the window. Um, so, you know, I think it's a question that that we have to interact with with all the streaming. With we're just we are surrounded by the art of our culture. So, help us to interact with this and make some sense of it. Sure. Well, I I'll, I might give this disclaimer at the beginning of every episode, but I'm no expert on this. I'm no expert on the arts or any particular type of art. Uh, I am a you know a very very amateur artist. Like to you know write music and have a have a, sh- a short film screenplay in a drawer somewhere that I, I wrote a couple of years ago. So I'm interested in this stuff even as a as a maker on that side of it, but certainly watch my fair share of films, love films. Um, you, you say that you are uh, an amateur or a novice, but by virtue of the fact that you just said the word film <laughs> three times and not movie, because that's what I would call it, that shows you actually are maybe higher qualified than you think. Yeah, well, I'll get my uh, my monocle <laughs> and my top hat uh, just to fully... Is that, maybe we can, is that what filmmakers do? Maybe yeah. we can Photoshop that in. I, just to show how classy of a guy I am. Um, all that to say, yeah, I'm, I'm an admirer and someone who's, who's invested in this is someone who just loves, loves good art, um, if, even if I'm not particularly knowledgeable about it. Um, yeah, so I, you know, there's a few things I would, I would lay out. First, just by way of background, kind of theological background. We do this a lot. I think most biblical thinkers do, but you want to understand any topic, you, you usually have to orient it somehow to the first couple pages of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2. And, and I think if we do that, and I'm not, we don't have to go chapter and verse on anything, but you can start with the idea of God as an artist, you know, um, baked into the very fabric of, of this story that we believe as Christians is the idea that God, who is fully self-sufficient and existent within himself as Trinity, he freely chose to create a world and not just a, not just a generic world, not just like, I don't know if you ever read that, that old book flatland that pictures existence as this like, it's, it's like a two dimensional world, completely flat. God didn't make that. He made the material world that we actually live in 
that is beautiful. And that refrain that we have in Genesis 1 of just, he made it and it was good and it was good. It was very good even. It speaks to this idea that he he didn't just make something with a bare minimum function. He made something meant to be enjoyed, meant to be beautiful. All the parts working together wonderfully and beautifully to um, to speak to his creativity and his power and his glory. Um, and so we can just start with the idea of how should Christians think about art? Well, first of all, God is, as the ultimate artist needs to kind of weigh heavy as we think about this. Yeah. What's, and even as you're saying that, you know, we, we've just in the last, you know, six months or so, the James Webb telescope, uh, you know, it's working and it's, it's getting pictures of the distant galaxies. I don't know if you've looked at some of those, but it's, it's like breathtaking. And, and I know they're working with, uh, you know, with like, a, a, you know, light sources that are really hard to see. And they're kind of making uh, an artist rendition, we might say, of it. But the, the more we discover, it seems like, of the galaxies and our universe, it's like, that's unnecessarily beautiful. That's outrageously, um, you just outrageously compelling to look at. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be, I think you're pointing out, we don't have to live in a, world, a universe like that, but it is the one that we find ourselves in. Okay, so we start with noticing that it's not a two-dimensional, flat, gray world that we live in. Instead, it's filled with color and beauty, uh, it, almost begging to be appreciated. Okay, uh, what, yeah. how, how else do we frame and orient to this? Well, the second thing I would say is that if that's who God is and he's created hu- humans to bear his image, to be his representatives in the world, then we should not be surprised when we find that humans are designed to be uh, artists in some sense. And I don't mean necessarily in a narrow technical sense of engaged in the fine arts or whatever, but the cultural mandate that's given to humanity to subdue the earth. It's this idea of cultivating it. It's the idea of take this good world that God has made that's full of all this beauty that we've been describing. And in some ways, it, this is kind of a radical idea, but almost make it better. Um, take what's raw and make it even more functional for you as as humans. And so, um, you know, that that's behind every idea of culture making, um, every idea of good work in this world, uh, is, is right there. Um, subdue the earth. Uh, and so from there, then you can go and get more specific examples. But if our job is to take the raw materials God has given us and to harness them, to make them more usable for us. So what I'm hearing is God is a creator and he has made something beautiful, something uh, worth appreciating. And he has then invited humanity into that same vocation, that same calling. And what I think is interesting that you were, that you were pointing out is that invitation of that vocation was before the, the event that we call like the fall where, where uh, the, the sin kind of corrupts the human condition. And so it, it seems even then that all you said, all culture building, um, all all uh, art and culture building, even among those that aren't followers of Jesus, has the capacity to connect to this vocation. And then specific examples of when when a Jesus follower, or in the Old Testament, when a Yahweh follower, um, that they could have an even an even more profound experience of 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 being filled with the Spirit to create. But we're, I guess maybe it's worth noting. God seems to care about beauty. The temple was a beautiful building. It was a beautiful thing. And when the tabernacle and temple are built, not only do craftsmen show up to weave gold and make all sorts of things to adorn it with things, but then we also have an explosion of poetry written about uh, going to the temple and beholding the temple. And, and uh, 
It's just it's just interesting. Um, okay, so and a, a lot of, of some... Christians even are pointing out the idea of how much I, I think this is idea that's being recovered. How much literary beauty there is even in the Bible mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you've mentioned the poetry, but even just the whole shape of the whole thing, the way that it interacts with itself from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it's exciting to see the way that's being acknowledged. Like, yeah, the, the, the scriptural text that we have is even itself a testament to the creative mind of God, the beauty that He values. As an English creative writing major, um, which is a lucrative major, I know, uh, out there. So if you're considering a, 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 a job that's uh, one day or a major that's going to guarantee a big paycheck, I would suggest to you English creative writing. Um, but just or pastoring as a close second. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> um, just noting the beauty uh, of the way the stories are told, the suspense. And um, yeah, we whether you agree with the Bible, believe it or not, it's a, it's a really... Um, like it's it's a document and a piece of art uh, in itself that I think is worth appreciating and reading uh, as such. So, okay, now that that helps us, I think, get some guardrails around it. But now the question I think becomes maybe a little more pragmatic, which is this: um, Okay, I, I'm with you. God is a God of beauty. We can see that. We can see that in the Word. We can see that in in architecture. We can see it in culture building. So is that just carte blanche, just have at it? Is there any, would there be any suggestion you would give for a wise way to engage in the arts around us? So now that we'll get even more pragmatic to our day, like what about the TV shows that we watch and the music that we listen to, the movies that we watch? So let's get down to 21st century. Let's make sense of this thing for me. Well, yeah, I do have a few a few guardrails, and I would just maybe start with a couple ideas. First, uh, this is a wisdom issue, not a not something we can go chapter and verse on and say here's exactly which TV series you should or shouldn't watch. <laughs> um, so uh, that'd be amazing if that was in there. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but I would be very uh, suspicious if that was in there about right, uh, the nature right. of how this thing came to be. Uh, that's like right. I said you may not watch Rugrats or something like that. Uh, make sure your kids stay away. <laughs> From Rocco's Modern yeah. Life. And man, I just dated myself <laughs> completely with those references. You did. You did. I wasn't going to say it, but you did. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a wisdom issue. Uh, so people in good faith will disagree about this. Maybe a first idea is just with that. There's freedom in Christ, you know. Um, Christ gives us uh, incredible grace. And if we screw this up, that's okay. Um, but we don't want to screw it up. We want to be integrous and faithful and honor God in our choices. So we want to honor God with our freedom. Uh, maybe then I would say, maybe to start, I don't think that the idea of Christian versus secular is necessarily the best mechanism for determining whether, whether a piece of art is worthwhile or good. Um, and I could say that from a number of angles. One is just, um, I mean, I hate to say it, but so much Christian art is frankly bad. It, it reduces the gospel. (laughs) It, uh, artistically lacks, um, coherence and excellence and, you know, att- the attention to craft that you might want people to, <laughs> to, to pay right. attention to. Right. And so handing someone a Christian film and trusting that, uh, or I, I suppose I would say I wouldn't trust that you're either going to get anything theologically or artistically valuable necessarily because it's the label Christian on it. From the flip side, um, you know, it's not to say secular art is good either, necessarily. And I think most Christians know that intuitively. We just have to be critical. We have to be discerning. We have to pay attention. We have to be non-passive observers. We can't let labels, I guess is what I'm saying, do the work, do the hard work 
of, of making these kinds of choices. Um, that's the first thing I would say. Okay, so just because something has the word Christian in front of it doesn't necessarily mean that it is teaching correct doctrine or that it's good. I think, I think most people listening to this that are Jesus followers would at least appreciate that when it comes to like worship music. I think some would say that, that, yeah. that song isn't good or isn't theologically sound. And I think we need to have, um, you know, we need to have our antenna up just because it says Christian on it doesn't necessarily mean um, that we can passively consume it without thinking. Um, okay, so if that's your first guardrail, that there's freedom in Christ and uh, this is not chapter and verse, second guardrail being um, those labels may not be helpful. Okay, what else do you have for us? Well, I, I would next maybe go to something like Philippians 4, 8. You know, in that in that text, Paul calls calls his readers, he says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so I think um, what we ought to be doing as Christians with whatever art or media or you name it we're engaging with, it's looking for that anything that is good. If our, fa- if our conviction is that God has given all people, both believers and non-believers, this capacity to create and to, uh, to subdue the earth in these ways that are arranged and organized towards beauty, we should be looking to discern those things and to, you know, art, even secular art is a great opportunity to foster empathy, understanding, connection with people and with stories that we might not otherwise have any exposure to. And that in and of itself can be a very, very good and beautiful and true thing. And so, um, I think that's what we're looking looking for. We're looking to engage with things that can actually increase our capacity for understanding our neighbors, understanding our world. And um, I suppose that's just another call not to be passive and not just to let everything reduce to entertainment for entertainment's sake. Although I do, I engage plenty of that, maybe too much. Well, I guess as a, as a follow-up to that, we see in Acts chapter 17, when Paul finds himself in Athens, uh, he goes to defend himself. He's, been, he's kind of been drugged before. Uh, we might call it kind of their experts at the Areopagus, and they're, they're grilling him a little bit. He's, he boldly speaks, and when he does, he has the ability, and you can see in his speech there in Acts 17, multiple times to reference things that are in their popular culture, uh, poetry that they would know, poetry that they understand. It's as if he, he's aware of it. He knows enough of it to quote it back to them um, in, a, in a really kind of clever way. And so, okay, um, the labels may not be helpful. Um, we need to not be passive um, consumers as we're uh, engaging in, uh, in consuming art. Okay, what else? I'd say maybe the last really clear guardrail I would give is just the the biblical command to flee from sin. And so that's, I think, where a lot of people first want to go in this. I think it's important to situate it later in the conversation, but it's an important part of the conversation nonetheless. Anything that would cause you to sin is meant to be fled from. You, we, we avoid it. And so if there's a show, for example, um, that has the kind of content that causes you to sin, my advice to you as a Christian, if you want to honor Christ, is to not watch that show. It's to avoid that show. And where this gets... This, this opens up a whole other conversation. We won't have time to go fully deep in it, but that's different for every person. What causes mm-hmm. person A to sin is going to be slightly different than person B uh, and, and person C and so on and so forth. We're all wired so differently. We're all triggered by different things. We're all, um, we all have different areas of particular struggle. And so this is really a call to, to, 
self-knowledge and discernment and honesty because we can we can be pretty quickly be dishonest about these kinds mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. um it's fascinating to note like the existence of dark content in something is not necessarily an answer for this because i mean just take the bible man there are passages in the bible there are passages say i'm i don't even want to quote it frankly and i don't know if that speaks to something ugly about my soul or something, but passages like in Ezekiel that are so weird and disturbing and kind of grotesquely sexual that, um, that I just, I, it, 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 I bristle at it. Um, so that's in the Bible and that's there mm-hmm. for us to, to learn from. Like God has put that content there for some reason for us to um, be edified by. And so that I think is just a little bit of an indication that the content in and of itself doesn't answer the question. It, it, it turns back into what is this content doing? And again, is it causing me to sin and how it's presented? So this is, I think, a helpful clarification. And now we're, I think we're, we're really now getting to some of the brass tacks here. So I think for some people, the, the, the answer goes something like this. Okay, what should I avoid? What would be quote-unquote sinful or might... Uh, I could identify it as sinful. I think normal. Normally, I hear, especially where I'm at in the in the in the world, is does it have violence? Does it have sex? Um, does it have language that is uh, offensive or inappropriate? Okay, then it must be sinful. And what I'm hearing from you is, okay, by that same standard, there are going to be parts of the Bible that would then become off limits to read. Like the story of, without using names, like we have a character in our Bible who's in a position of authority and power who abuses that position of authority and power to sexually assault somebody in his, uh, in his realm under his authority. He then has that person's husband, uh, we might say, in like the most treacherous way possible, left out to be killed and then covers it up. And we're obviously talking about David yeah. and Bathsheba. Um, yeah. But like that's, that's a story that's there, and it's meant to be reflected on. Of course, we see David as he's presented in Samuel. His life is really never the same. It's kind of be, that kind of begins a downward slide for him. But yeah. it's inviting you to consider the story as it's presented, like bad stuff and all, you know. Um, but to consider the story and learn from it. So what what I'm hearing from you is as we as we are engaging in movies and TV and music around us we need to be more discerning than simply, well, if it has this, it must be bad. If it has this, it, it, and if it doesn't have that, then it's okay. And th- that's, I think, a more nuanced position that I think most people are approaching some of this stuff with. Um, I might even suggest, um, and I, I want to get your thought on this, as you're saying, don't be passive as we you know, watch a movie or watch a show. One of the things that I've noticed is it can be really important to try to consider, this would come from Paul when he says, take every thought captive. What is the, what is the value, the worldview? What is the narrative? What are the idols? What are the hopes and dreams that this piece of art is suggesting? And I think sometimes things that we would say are completely innocuous actually can, if you really consider the message, can be quite damaging. And so like I'll, t- I'll take oh, yeah. a show or a movie like uh, if you just were to watch all the Disney canon, you know, uh, you might leave, especially the more recent Disney canon, you might leave that assuming that there's two great things in life that matter. One, find your significant other. Marriage, love, and romance are the pinnacle of life. And the second would be um, as long as you find yourself, you know, almost every Disney movie coming out in the last 10 years, the main theme is 
You figure out who you are. It's the most important thing you can do. Don't let anyone or anything tell you otherwise. And if it does, it's evil. And the journey of life and the, the pinnacle of life is both romantic love and discovering who you really are, come hell or high water, and that's it. And that's going to be a difficult message to square with Jesus who says, you come to me to find life. In fact, the way you do that is deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And many yeah. of the narratives of our culture and the media in our culture are saying, you find you. No one else tells you who you are. You are the source of your meaning and purpose and happiness. And that's the kind of subtle thing that I think often we can be blinded to when we're, when we're consuming art or listening to uh, uh, music or whatever. Uh, and that's the thing I think is that we have to really be perceptive to. Yeah. Just using sex, say, as a category, which is an important category people should be thinking through. Like avoid sexual sin, absolutely. Avoid, avoid lust, on and on. But what about messages in films that are, are trudging up other kinds of idolatry or encouraging you to engage in them? Like, so it's just a call for consistency. And we're not saying like you can't, you know, watch Frozen or show your kid Frozen. Right. Frozen has a lot of right. beautiful qualities as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, again, a, a call for discernment. Or maybe if you're with your kid and you start seeing some of these things really manifesting themselves, you might be like, ooh, let's pump the brakes on some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just not looking at the G rating versus the R rating and letting that be the determiner of what you, of what you do. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should get real practical here. Uh, I okay. know we're running out of time, but maybe how we've run, run this calculus for some of the choices we, you and I have made. And I, I don't know, we might get some angry emails about some of this. That's okay. <laughs> but let's just, we can just get, get real about it. Um, you know, for me, I, I would say, um, you know, you go, you, you go through this and it's like, well, do you ever say no to anything? You know, or can you just always rationalize watching or engaging with anything? And I, I, I would say no, and I know that's true for you too. There are some shows that I haven't, you know, I've heard are very, very good and might be interesting to me on a certain level that I've just opted not to engage with. One that comes to mind is Game of Thrones, for example. Um, right. For me personally, uh, hearing kind of the content of that, it just, it just, it, it struck me as something that would not be good for my soul and probably right. would lead me into sin in a number of areas. And so we just made the decision. I, I just don't need to, don't need to see that one. Perhaps someone else can watch it um, without falling into those things. And, um, uh, Cool, if so, but for me, I just I just need to draw a pretty strong line about that. But there's another my, my all time favorite show, for example, is a show called Mad Men, which is now I I think it finished airing like five or six years ago. It's it's getting old now, but it's it's a gritty also, show and also in my some favorite ways. show. Yeah, oh, it I is think probably, okay. I think it's the best the best drama that TV has made. A man of excellent taste right here, Garland Autry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a show that deals with really heavy things. If you know anything about it, it's set in the 60s in the advertising world, rampant misogyny, uh, men cheating on their wives, uh, mistreating women in the workplace, um, all kinds of really hard things, racism, like just it, it goes on and on. But that show, I think, just walks such a fine line of depicting these things, I think, very honestly, uh, things that were happening at the time and things that are happening today, of course. Um, 
but without glorifying them and 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 the the net work of that show i i can honestly say made me a far more sensitive person to some of these issues it caused me to do a lot of soul search it the net of it was very very powerful in addition to just being incredibly well acted and the costume and the set design the cinematography the way each episode is just written structurally it's it's kind of a marvel to me um but i i understand like there's there's sex in the show great i'm so grateful that it didn't air on hbo because i think it would have been a far more graphic show than what it ended up being on amc with the limitations they had but i i totally understand if someone similarly takes a look at Mad Men and goes "Ah, i can't go there that's not going to be good for me i 100 understand and you should follow your conscience on that uh but for me that's just one where i think i think the way it shook out and the way all the pieces work together though it's complicated um ended up being just an incredibly like like revealing uh powerful mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. for me um yeah so my, my my perspective and i know you and i've talked about this many times out, uh, you know off this podcast but i think that that show because it, in, it it invites you in to consider but the comment i left the show uh feeling like the comment that the creator and the writers were getting at was the kind of life that seemed glorious at the beginning this sort of this uh, this life where of sex and power and money, it it seems by the end of the show, I think you're supposed to see through it. And I know it's open to interpretation. You could probably take this both ways. But I, I saw through it by the end of the show. And I thought the creator wanted you to see through it, to see the, 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 the other side of that coin and how dangerous it can be, how destructive it can be. But it did so by showing, not telling. And that's what oftentimes yeah. good art can do um and i think that's probably you one of you and i's criticisms of often christian art is oftentimes it's it's it doesn't present a realistic portrait and it does a lot of tell not show it's not it's not yeah. engaging enough and down to real life or gritty enough and oftentimes uh a show that wasn't made by a christian can do something as revealing if not more um because this it's good art yeah what about you anything you've you've wrestled through and and a peek behind the curtain on some choices you've made with with media, show, or movie, or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm stuck in the '90s in music. So, I mean, if it's like country, '90s country is uh, is where it's at for me, and so I'm kind of just stuck <laughs> in that world. And uh, there might might be some people that turned this podcast off, knowing that. I think for me, there was a particular show that we watched. It was back in the in the DVD era, before a lot of the streaming. Um, it was a, a show called Entourage that HBO aired, and uh, my wife and I watched the first little bit, and it was really well done, really funny, well-written, well-acted. It was a well-made show. And I found myself, um, you know, Sarah and I, whenever we watch uh, movies that have, uh, movies or TV that have like sex in them, uh, our rule of thumb is just, uh, we fast forward or uh, like I look at her and that's kind of what we do and we look at each other. But uh, this particular show, I found myself, it wasn't that I was lusting as we watched the show. I found that the show's basic premise, which is uh, this life of sex and partying and drugs. And uh, basically it's just this, this actor's life in, in LA. I found by the end of a few episodes and it was really good. I found myself going, there's something that is doing inside me. That's making me not satisfied with my life. Mm. It's making me not satisfied with, and I have a, I had a good, I have a good life here in Arkansas, but it made me want more stuff, more money. Um, it may be unsatisfied with with how I looked, how my wife looked. It made me just start to think there's a there's a there's another world out there and it's better and it's sexier. And we uh, and we were gonna kind of watch the next uh, disc or whatever. And I remember telling telling Sarah I said I can't watch this show. Uh, 
And she respected, she was totally respectful. It's like, okay, let's not watch it. And it was just doing something in my heart. And that was the decision that we made. And we've, we've had those conversations regularly. I think it's a part of being a wise, uh, a wise partaker in the, the media and arts around us. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a great example, man, just to toot, toot your horn for a second. Like that's the kind of subtle, uh, if we use that category of causing to sin or temptation or whatever, that often people can just blow right past. Like, well, it's not, you know, it, these other things that are far more discussed and, and kind of in mm-hmm. the forefront of this conversation. So well done for, for recognizing that that was going on and for, um, for making that choice, man. That's actually, it's a great example. Well, and I think like country music has tons of songs about drinking and tons of songs about, you know, hooking up and all that. And that never, you know, that never does any, I I don't listen to a country song go, man, I just want to go get hammered right now at the lake. Um, (laughs) So we, we all have to be, you know, sensitive to what it is that we're listening to watching. And I think what you're suggesting above all is um, we can enjoy art. God has made beauty in this world. We get to be a part of that vocation, but let's not be passive in it. And yeah. I think that's the thing I'm walking away with is, uh, passivity. Um, it, it just, it largely might be taking us down a stream that we didn't even realize we were going. And, uh, and I think just being alert, I think that's wise. Yeah. We can honor God by refusing to be passive in a way that's, that's all lined up for us to be passive. Netflix will auto play this stuff for you endlessly and just sweep you along. And we want to be good critical thinkers through the lens of what, uh, what is good? What will? What is beneficial to me? And how can I honor God in these choices? And so, yeah, perfect. Well, that's that's clarifying and super helpful. And as always, we hope this uh, this gives you something to think about. And thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity. 